Hey everyone, welcome to the Compass Church Podcast. My name's Jake, I'm our Three Rivers Campus Pastor, and I want to especially welcome you to our Here, Near, and Far weekend. You know, we believe that God is excited about what is happening here at the Compass Church, but he's not only excited about the Compass Church. There are so many things across our country and around the world that God is thrilled about happening in the midst of his people. And today we're gonna hear a little bit more about one of those areas. So let's join our senior pastor, Jeff Griffin, and our special guest, Ron Childers, as we talk about church planting in Chicago. Hey friends, welcome back to the Compass Church and to a very special weekend. Friends, this is Here, Near and Far weekend. It's, it's a special weekend where we highlight some of the ministry done through our church outside of our immediate area. And today I am here with my good friend, Ron Childers. Thank you, Jeff. You may be aware of this, but the Compass Church, we are starting a brand new church in Chicago. And Ron is our church planting pastor. Ron, so excited. Thank you very much. Thank you for having me. Uh, We're delighted. You are going to have so much fun getting to hear this guy's story and just allowing the Lord to minister to you through Ron. Amen. Let me back up and tell you a bit how the Garden Church came about. It actually goes back to the Rise Up campaign. You may recall we raised money for our South Naperville campus. And Executive Pastor Daryl Cloud, he had a, had a, a vision. He, he said, you know, we need to make part of that campaign, the raising of the funds to start or help start a new church in the city of Chicago. Mm-hmm. Turns out that the Evangelical Free Church of America, our denomination, has 70 churches in Chicago land, but only seven in the city proper. So suburbs are where most of them are. And so the vision was, let's start a church in Chicago. He tasked Rick Pearson, our pastor of Compass Global and Compass National to start a team, and I always get the name of the team wrong. No, it was exploratory the, team. The exploratory <laughs> team. Yes. You're going to get it one day, Jim. One day. Well, <laughs> it was a team of people from our church who had a heart for the city of Chicago. And two of the people on that team were Theo and Beth Jones. Mm-hmm. Correct. Co workers of yours? Co workers of mine at the Pacific Garden Mission. Yeah. Yep. Pacific, and dear friends. And good friends. Yeah. And they clearly loved this guy because they told us, Ron Childers is our guy. And we were like, I don't know. Are you sure about that? Yeah. We had a long journey of getting to know each other. And sure enough, the elders and staff concluded, mm-hmm. Ron is our church planting pastor. Ron, did you always dream of being a church planting pastor? Didn't always dream of being a church planning pastor, as you say, but uh, I knew that God was up to something in my life because how he has led me since I've come to Chicago. Yeah. And I knew something was on the horizon, but I didn't quite uh, know exactly what it was. So when you got that call yes. for, from uh, Theo and Beth, or was it Rick Pearson? Well, actually, it was Rick Pearson after speaking with Theo and Beth. Okay. Yeah. And what did you think? Well, I didn't know what to think. Yeah. But uh, at that moment, he called. I had been praying to God about the next season of my life, you know, finishing up with my, my, my course of studies at Moody Theological Seminary, and I knew God was up to something. So I started praying to him and seeking his face about what the next season would look like, and then that's when I received the call from Rick. That's awesome. So it was an answer to prayer. 
God guided Ron, God guided us, and your uh, discovery team? Exploratory team. Exploratory team. <laughs> it turned into a planning team uh -huh. that was prayerfully looking at what part of Chicago, how, where are we now, by the way? Maybe I should ask you that. Yeah, that's a good question. Right now, we're in the Bronzeville community on the south side of the city, south of the loop. Whoa! Is this White Sox territory? White Sox territory. I'm out. Forget God, them, God's no. country. <laughs> God's country. Does the Lord like Sox fans? He, he does. He okay. does. He has a certain affinity for the Cubs also. Yes, he does. Uh, that, I'm sure. But So, Bronzeville, south side, how was it that God guided you to this particular area? Well... We had been, uh, of course, praying and seeking the Lord's face, analyzing uh, the Chicagoland area, the Chicago uh, neighborhoods, and um, God just led us to uh, this particular part of the city through some of, uh, you know, the prayers and some of the uh, demographic studies that we did, and yeah. God led us to the Bronzeville community, and it's a beautiful neighborhood, and and I think it's exactly where the Lord will have us to be at this season. That's fantastic, mm -hmm. and a, a particular facility. What street are we on here? We're on South Drexel. South Drexel, right, right down the block away, mm -hmm. is a facility God provided. Uh -huh. Tell us about that. Well, it's a community center, and uh, through uh, the connection that I made with the the leadership and the pastor, uh, they informed me that they had a community center that they were not using. And unbeknownst to me, they had been praying that God would send somebody to rent space. Oh, that's awesome. And we're praying for space. So it was a match made in heaven. And uh, that's how that came about. Isn't that awesome? I Amen. mean, here they've got a facility that they're going to be able to rent 24-7, a church building right in the community. Mm -hmm. what, a, what a blessing. The Lord's on the move. In he fact, is. what is... He doing these days? Well, what's next in well, the journey? Yeah, what's next? Thank you for that question, Jeff. What's next is we're going to finalize some paperwork as far as the lease, get that signed. Uh, then me and my formation team, formation team. <laughs> will be able to come into the community, uh, meet with some of the gatekeepers, meet with some of the political leaders, meet with some of the, uh, the leaders of uh, education in the community, and just see how we can partner with them in what God is already doing in the neighborhood. So yeah. so on the horizon is us getting in the building, uh, doing a little work on the building, which we would love to have volunteers to come and help us out. Are, with are that. you recruiting? From I'm the definitely recruiting. Right so let me, let me uh, <laughs> definitely let you know that I am recruiting and we are looking for, and we have a lot of people uh, uh, definitely from Compass that want to be a part of this journey, help us get the building uh, up and ready to go. But that's what's on the horizon, us getting in the building, getting in the neighborhood and starting to serve the neighborhood as the Garden Church. And we hope to uh, fulfill our mission, which is to cultivate hope through freedom in Christ. Mm, love it. You know, uh, after getting the facility ready, I imagine there's going to be a Grand opening, a public launch. Definitely. When's that happening? Definitely. God willing, our public grand opening will be uh, spring of 24. Uh, Easter is what we're shooting for. Easter of next year. Fantastic. Mm -hmm. And I just can't wait. I, I get so excited about the notion of the new church. Amen. I can't wait for the Garden Church to represent Christ mm -hmm. in this community well. Tell, tell me just a little more about the name, the Garden Church. How did that come about? Yeah, that was, uh, it was amazing how that came about. Uh, I was sitting at my desk at the Pacific Garden Mission. Garden. And interestingly, I was studying Genesis and Adam and Eve's uh, relationship with God in the Garden of Eden. And uh, I just started praying to God again, uh, asking me, uh, asking him rather, not me, uh, what would he have the name of his church mm -hmm. to be? And through those connections, the Holy Spirit led me to name it the Garden Church. Yeah. Yeah. I love it. The, the Garden of Eden is just a beautiful picture. Mm -hmm. 
of how life is supposed to be. Amen. You know, friends, you're about to find out that Ron has got an amazing story of hope. You know, hope is right in the mission of his new church. Mm -hmm. And the hope Christ brings is a part of his story. So let's turn now, learn a little more about the grace of Jesus in the life of Ron Tilden. So Ron, this is kind of fun. Here we are in yeah. what is going to be church kit. Yes. Can you see yourself preaching there? Yeah, I definitely there? can. I definitely can. Future, I can. future home of the Garden Church. I can feel it. Some good days Exciting. are going to be had right here. Absolutely, huh? absolutely. Mm. Hey friends, Ron has an amazing story with a little excitement, a few bumps along the way. A few, one, one, one or two. One or two. <laughs> you got to hear the story of, of the grace of Christ in the life of Ron Childers. So, Ron, tell us. How did Absolutely. Thank you, Jeff. Thank you all for having me. Um, I grew up in Selma, Alabama, uh, raised by my grandmother. My, my mom was young when she had me and thought better at that time to leave me uh, with my grandmother because she wasn't able to care for me like Praise she would have wanted to. Praise God for grandma. Amen, for praying grandmothers, amen. And my mom for having the wherewithal to, to do that. Um, so my grandmother raised me in the church, uh, but growing up that way uh, without a mother and father in the home, it birthed a lot of insecurities mm. in, in my life. Uh, a lot of the insecurities that I didn't, and in hindsight, I look back on and can see that. Didn't even the, realize you yeah, had them at, at the, the time, time. Didn't even realize it until until uh, much later in life. What did those insecurities bring about in your life? Well, for me, those insecurities brought about a sense of uh, feeling out of place. Mm. No matter what situation I found myself in, it seemed like I wasn't comfortable in my own skin. Like at school events, I would see other kids with their moms, their dads, their families, and oftentimes I was alone. Mm. And growing up like that, it just kind of made me feel like I didn't belong, made me feel just out of place. Yeah. Yeah. After high school, what happened? Yeah, well, after high school, uh, things took a turn. I, I would like to say a turn for the, for the best, but yeah. uh, my story, it was a little, a little bit different. Um, I talked to a friend of mine and asked him what was he doing since we were about to graduate. And he was like, well, I'm going to, going to college. And I was like, well, I'll go to college too. <laughs> uh, seemed like a good idea. So, uh, so funny because uh, I ended up riding to university with him and his parents. So, so yeah. that's how that came about. Where'd you go to college? Well, I went to school at the University of Alabama, Roll Tide. You probably heard of them, Jeff. No, I haven't at heard of them. At least the football that. team, I, you I probably heard, heard of them. Alabama? I know, I just said yeah, I yeah. heard of them. So to the University of Alabama, and um, the thing about that is uh, I mentioned the insecurities earlier. Yeah. Well, now I'm removed from the comfortable bubble that my grandmother raised me in, so those insecurities at this university just got exacerbated in my life. They became even more uh, prevalent in my life. How, how did that manifest? Well... Uh, being in this different context around these different people, this different uh, uh, environment, it just really uh, made those insecurities more profound. So what it birthed within me was just a, a, a desire to fill this void that was always plaguing me no matter where I went. And because of that, it led into me getting into uh, alcohol and drugs, which led to, unfortunately, a 20-year uh, struggle with substance abuse in my life. 20 years yeah, 20 of years. struggling with substance 20 abuse. Years. You got married and yeah. had kids. Absolutely. So it wasn't all bad. It wasn't all bad. How does uh, addiction fit with raising a family? Is that yeah, it doesn't fit. No. <laughs> it doesn't fit at all. And, um, but I did have some good times. Like you said, I met my wife, had some beautiful children. We had, had good times. But right at the uh, 
always in the background was that struggle I had with substance abuse, which resulted in us losing uh, many homes and, and uh, uh, material things and properties, and even our relationships more so. Um, outside of relationship with God, but with each other. It strained our relationships, as you can Im imagine. Yeah. So. When you talk about this dark mm -hmm. season with addictions and such, does that have anything to do with the eye patch you've got yeah. on? <laughs> I'm glad you pointed that out. It definitely does have something to I do with it. I didn't notice it. You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know, I know, I know. I bet you couldn't, yeah. couldn't really notice it. But, yeah, it does, definitely has something to do with that. I found myself in one of those dark moments. Um, unfortunately, found myself in a bar where I got into a bar fight and a guy pitched a, t a pool ball at me like he was throwing a baseball and hit me in the eye. And after that, I say the fight was over, but it really wasn't a fight mm. after that. That sounds terrible. Yeah, it was. It even felt worse. <laughs> worse. You know, what's amazing, though, is that you live with a reminder Amen. of those dark days mm -hmm. and the grace the Lord has applied to your life. Well, it's interesting you say that because in Matthew, uh, God says uh, it's better to... Uh, lose one of your members oh. and gain heaven rather than go to hell with two eyes. So that's one of my life verses. There you so, go. So, I, so I hold on yeah, to that yeah, because yeah. it is a reminder, but at the same time, it's a reminder that God does restore. He redeems. And if it takes this for me to come into a relationship with him, then I'll do it again. So be it. I really don't want to. <laughs> <laughs> I really don't want to. But, uh, so Ron, uh, you've lost jobs and houses mm -hmm. and your wife and mm -hmm. that marriage ended. Unfortunately. How did the Lord bring you to himself? Well, I was found myself uh, sitting outside of my grandmother's home, and God met me in a miraculous way at that time. Through that experience, it led me to Pacific Garden Mission. I had a grandmother, uh, and she would always tell me, because she saw me in my, when I was in my uh, madness, let's say, and uh, she saw how I was living, and she would always say, baby, you need to go to the Pacific Garden Mission. You can find Jesus at the Pacific Garden Mission. Had you been to Chicago before? Never been to Chicago. Didn't know anything about the mission. Didn't know any, anybody in Chicago. Yeah. But um, at this moment in my life, um, God brought that to my remembrance. And, um, and I was like, okay, well, if this Jesus that my grandmother's talking about lives at the mission, then I'm going to go see if I can find him. Find Jesus? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. And, that, and that's you, what I did. You know, I'll tell you, when I was a little kid, my dad used to bring me to the Pacific Garden Mission, mm -hmm. and my dad would preach, and I would just look at the homeless people. Yeah, yeah. Freaked me out. Uh -huh. That's a kind of yeah, yeah, yeah. a wild place, but you found it to be, well, tell us about it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It kind of freaked me out, too. Okay. Because <laughs> the, way, the way the story goes, uh, my grandmother had mentioned um, a discipleship program at okay. the mission. So I arrived at the mission. Uh, they bring me in through intake and everything, and then they send me into this room, uh, similar to this room behind us, but uh, in this room is about four or 500 homeless men. And here I am coming from a small town in Selma, Alabama, and now I'm in this huge room with hundreds of homeless men, and yeah. I'm just sitting there for a couple of days, and all we're doing is um, listening, hearing people up at the stage screaming at us and hollering at us, and then we'll, after that, we'll go outside and smoke cigarettes, unfortunately. So that was all we would do for the, for the first couple of days, and I was like, wait a minute, what type of discipleship program, <laughs> discipleship program is, is this? What did my grandmother get me into? Yeah. Well, unbeknownst to me, there, that wasn't the program. Uh, there was a young man preaching the gospel, and the way he preached, it sounded like he really believed yeah. in this Jesus that he was talking about, and the one that my grandmother had mentioned, so when he finished preaching, I made a beeline to him, and he was the one that uh, told me, no, nah, this is not the discipleship program. He took me over to another part of the building where I uh, joined the program, and it was at that moment that I accepted Jesus 
uh, asked Jesus to come into my life and change my heart, and yeah. he did. Isn't that beautiful? It was amazing. It was amazing. Uh, you know, it just gives hope. You know, we've all uh, experienced loved ones who are wandering Absolutely. from the faith, are dealing Absolutely. with addiction, and I think of your grandmother pointing you in the Great direction. Huge, huge impact. Yeah, very life-changing. Life-changing, life that's beautiful. Yeah. So after you were discipled, uh, career-wise, what happened next? Yeah, well, after I was discipled, um, the Pacific Art Mission has a uh, career development mm. uh, phase of the program where they can help you with resume writing, interviewing skills, and things like that, and also uh, putting you in touch with local businesses and things like that. And through the Pacific Garden Mission, I got uh, into a management training program with one of, the, one of our local uh, groceries, uh, grocers here uh, in the city. And, uh, and I worked with them for three, uh, almost three years. But even while I was doing that, I would make a beeline back to the mission on my days off to volunteer because uh, the mission was like home to me. That's where I got saved at. Yeah. So, that's, so that's what happened. I worked with um, this company for three years. But then, uh, Ron, let me, let me stop okay. you. Not, at that grocery store, not only did you oh, uh, learn some yeah. leadership, but you met a, a person there, too. Yeah, I, I, had, I had been praying to God that he would uh, introduce uh, me to my wife. Yeah. And, uh, and that, right after that, uh, God answered my prayer and introduced me to uh, my beautiful, beautiful wife, Claudine Joris Childers. And uh, her family grew up in the neighborhood where I was working at. And um, that's where we met. She came in the store one day and acted like she was looking for something, but I, I knew what she was really looking for. <laughs> <laughs> and she found it. And, uh, that's like grocery romance. Yeah, 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 it was, it was, it was. And, uh, and that's where we met, and, um, and it's been a, a blessing and a joy ever yeah. since then. At that point, you, you shifted to leadership at the Pacific Garden Mission, did yeah, you? Yeah. Tell us of your role there. Yeah, I resigned from the, the store the, uh, that I was working at. Um, uh, Pastor Field, a good friend, um, discipled me, the president of the mission. He was able to offer me uh, a full-time position uh, at Pacific Garden Mission. So I came on to Pacific Garden Mission as a guest uh, services manager. And at the time, we didn't have a guest services. So, <laughs> so Pastor Phil hired me to develop the guest services team. And basically, yeah. what my team does uh, did at the time was uh, ministry to our homeless men and women, yeah. helping them find jobs, housing, uh, mental and medical health and also uh, employment training and things like that. So that's what my team did, and God uh, blessed me to be able to develop that team in the, at the Pacific Guard Mission, which is uh, still going on to this day after the past 10 years. So. You were in that role for 10 years? Well, yeah, well, I was in that role for eight years, but uh, subsequently after that, um, uh, another manager took over. Okay. And, uh, so the, the ministry has been going strong ever since then, just uh, serving our homeless men, women, and children here in the, Pacific, uh, in the city of Chicago at Pacific Guard Mission. Isn't that wonderful? Yeah. You know, I, I just love this story. Uh, you know, if you will, a guy who seems hopelessly broken. Absolutely. Finds Christ, is not only rescued, but restored to a place where he's able to serve a decade in ministry, helping other hurting people Amen. find the hope he's enjoying in Christ. Amen. What a story, Ron. We thank you for sharing it. And it reminds me, in some ways, yeah, of, yeah. Of, a, of a guy in the Bible. Amen. How about we turn, shall Let's we? Let's do it. Let's do it. Absolutely. There's a guy named Gideon uh -huh. found in the book of Judges, specifically chapter 6. And as we read, I think you'll see some similarities between Gideon and Ron, and me for that matter, and probably you as well. So let's take a look. Ron, would you mind reading verse 11? Absolutely. So Judges chapter 6, verse 11. Gideon, son of Joash, was threshing wheat at the bottom of a wine press to hide the grain 
from the Midianites. Yeah, the Midianites were these bullies. They were a neighboring nation to Israel, but they just were merciless at stealing everything mm -hmm. the Israelites had. And so it had resulted in this really odd way to thresh wheat. Mm -hmm. uh, explain what threshing wheat in a wine press Of course, it, it is interesting. So generally when you're threshing wheat, you want to do it on an elevated surface or a small hill or something like that. You would throw the wheat and the chaff up in the, in the air and the wind would blow away the chaff and the grain would fall to the ground. Yeah. But here we see Gideon, uh, the Bible is telling us that he's threshing uh, wheat in a wine press. And now that's totally opposite of what you normally would do. A wine press would be like a sunken area or a hole or something like that. And uh, here's Gideon in this wine press threshing wheat. And it just speaks to uh, the fear of the Midianites that he, that he, that yeah. he has because he's in the, in the wine press because he's trying to hide from the enemy. So, yeah. so it's just interesting to see that, that contrast. I, I almost picture this, the head of Gideon <laughs> yeah. looking out. Uh -huh. you know, he's, he's a chicken. He's, he's cowarding with fear. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. For good reason. For good reason. Uh -huh. Verse 12. So verse 12. The angel of the Lord appeared to him and said, mighty hero, the Lord is with you. <laughs> I'm convinced that there's humor in the Bible. Definitely humor yeah. And the irony here is just remarkable. You got a guy who's hiding in a hole, uh -huh. and the Lord uh, shows up in the form of the angel of the Amazing. Lord Amazing. and calls him mighty hero. Amazing. I can imagine Gideon going, yeah, who, are you, who, are you, who are you talking about? Who are you talking to? Huh? <laughs> he didn't feel like a no, mighty no, no, hero. Not at all. Not uh, at all. Look what Gideon says. Amen. Uh, verse 13, it says, Sir, Gideon replied, if the Lord is with us, why has all this happened to us? And where are all the miracles our ancestors told us about? Didn't they say the Lord brought us up out of Egypt? But now the Lord has abandoned us and handed us over to the Midianites. Yeah. You, you can see that this guy is like, Lord, What's going on to us? Well, why is everything falling apart? These Midianites are ruining our nation. Mm. He's like, I hear about glory days when Moses led the Israelites out of Egypt, all the miracles. I'm sick of hearing about miracles. I want to see uh -huh. the miracles. We're, we're that way sometimes. I, I think we, we hear stories of the great things God uh -huh. did in the past, and we complain about our present situation. Absolutely. Uh, even great things that God did in the past. Here, you're going to be shepherding, pastoring in Chicago. Mm -hmm. And what That's a true. city we've been blessed with. Some of the best evangelists Absolutely. in the world history have mm -hmm. come out of Chicago. I think of uh, D.L. Moody, who Absolutely. was a Chicago guy who led a million people to faith in Christ. Is mm -hmm. that crazy? Or Billy Sunday. Billy Sunday. Where'd he come from? Yeah, Billy Sunday. He's a product of the mission, Pacific Garden Mission also. He was saved at the mission. Interestingly, uh, Billy Sunday had a, a part in naming the Pacific Garden Mission. Oh, I didn't know uh, I'm sorry, D.L. Moody had a part in naming the Pacific Garden Mission. Oh. And uh, Billy Sunday uh, was saved at the Pacific Garden Mission. And through his ministry, um, over 300,000 people uh, came to Christ uh, through his ministry that, uh, uh, after uh, being saved at the mission. We also have a, a chapel right now still at the mission today called the Billy Sunday Chapel. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I, I see a connection. Her, her Billy Sunday, he was actually a member of the Chicago Cubs. Yeah, I know, I know, I know. And, and Billy Sunday was saved at the Pacific Garden Mission, just like you. Uh -huh. He was dealing with substance addiction, Absolutely. Just, just like, like you. Just like me. And uh, 
you could have been a professional baseball player if you had two good eyes. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, I could have. I, could yeah. have. I probably still could. But. That was probably an inappropriate joke. <laughs> no, no, not at all. Are you not okay with that? I'm I apologize. Okay. We'll, we'll talk about it later. Okay, we'll talk about it later. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's just it's easy to be in a discouraging state where you're looking at your circumstances and just being passive. Mm-hmm. But God doesn't want Gideon to be passive. Well, what happens next? He doesn't. Let's look at our verse 14. It says, then the Lord turned to him. That's amazing. Then the Lord turned Mm -hmm. to him and said, go with the strength you have and rescue Israel from the Midianites. And then he says, I am sending you. That's powerful. (laughs) And that for for Gideon is like, you want me to save the Israelites? (laughs) I'm the, I'm the little chicken who's uh-huh. hiding in a hole, yeah, yeah, yeah. threshing wheat, and yet yeah, you're calling cool. me? And uh, it's, it's exciting, though, to Definitely. realize God has a mission for you. When it says, I'm sending you, mm-hmm. the Lord's saying that to you right now, right? He's definitely saying that, and uh, I must say, um, like Gideon, uh, I feel the same way at times. Uh, the call of the Lord, uh, not only on my life, but even if you look at other heroes in the, in the, in the Bible, uh, the men and women in the Bible that God calls, there's a, a sense of uh, excitement, mm. but on the other side of that is also terrifying. <laughs> and I think God would, wouldn't have it any other way because yeah. what that terrifying uh, feeling uh, suggests is that we know that we're not worthy. Mm. We know that we're not capable in our, in our own strength. And God shows me that on a daily basis, but he's been so faithful, uh, so merciful. Uh, Psalm 103, uh, verse 8 says, The Lord is merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. And I think uh, we have to have a sense of uh, our inability to to walk in a calling such as this or anything that God calls us to. I think there's going to be an element of excitement and fear Fear. uh, just to keep us uh, humble uh, in his presence. Yeah, maybe you don't know this about me, but I was a part of three startup mm. churches. Distant yeah. past, yeah, but yeah, yeah. scared me to death every yeah. time. And just like you said, that fear drove me to cling to the Amen. Lord. Absolutely. And it's a good thing. Absolutely. Definitely a good thing. What do we got? Yeah, so uh, verse 15. But Lord, Gideon replied, how can I rescue Israel? My clan is the weakest in the whole tribe of Manasseh. And I am the least in my entire family. Uh, I, I love this. You know, in this moment of honesty, mm. we see the insecurity. Yeah. You mentioned insecurity Amen. in Amen. your life. Gideon had deep insecurity. He saw himself as hopeless or worthless. Mm-hmm. There's no way that I am able to be used by God. He was just painfully aware of his inadequacy. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And that's not a bad place to be. No, that's not a bad place to be. I mean, the Bible teaches us also that when I am weak, thou art strong. Mm. So um, his strength is made perfect in our weakness. And uh, so that's not really a bad place to be at all in the presence of God. uh, He's able to use that weakness through his power. And and I sense that in my own life. But like I say, he's been faithful every time I feel like I can't. He reminds me, yeah, you can't. Yeah. But I can through you. Yeah. So feeling... Inadequate, yeah. feeling uh, unworthy, 
feeling a sense of weakness, uh, like you mentioned earlier, is not a bad place to be because that's where uh, the power of God can be um, displayed in yeah. our lives and through our lives. I think we've all seen people who are confident. Yeah. You know, or just like, I got this. Yeah. And that's celebrated in the world system, it is. but it not is. in God's system. No, not in God's economy. He wants us to be humbly, mm -hmm. desperately Absolutely. reliant on Him. Absolutely. And that kind of brings us to verse 16. In verse 16, uh, the Lord said to him, I will be with you and you will destroy the Midianites. Isn't that, isn't that beautiful? That's beautiful. Yeah, the key, remember back where he said the, the strength you have, uh -huh. the strength he has is really the Lord. Amen. And that's true of us too. Amen. You know, you and that's I, Ron, we're, we're not impressive. Uh, not at all. But the Lord is. And he can take humble, available mm -hmm. vessels mm -hmm. And infuse his supernatural power to advance his cause. He does. Isn't he that does. Neat? Yeah, it's neat. It's neat. Yeah. Glorious. I, I think of, uh, you know, we mentioned uh, D.L. Moody. D.L. Uh -huh. Moody had a third grade education. Yep. He was just a simple yep. guy. And here, uh, Billy Sunday was mm -hmm. just a, a, a drunken baseball player. Uh -huh. And the Lord redeemed, restored, and empowered. And he can do the same for us. He definitely can. That's who our God is. And he's been faithful. Um, this has been a journey. Yeah. It's been... Uh, filled with uh, anxiety and fear at times, but every time that happens, God shows himself faithful in my life, which uh, just, um, you know, strengthens my faith. So yeah. the next time those uh, fears arise, it's, it's not anything that's going to uh, throw me from what he's calling yeah. uh, me to, because I know it's him, not me. Yeah, there's almost this holy cycle where we fear, we lean on the Lord, uh -huh. we hear the call again. Amen. And we charge. Go in his and then we fear yeah. and we yeah, lean yeah, yeah, on yeah. the Lord and we yeah. charge. Amen. Just like the, the children of Israel coming out of Egypt. You know, yeah. As much as they saw God's miracles, they would always get come back to fear and anxiety and those things. But yeah. he's always faithful. Yeah. You know, I, I think of all of you. And the, the reality is uh, this is applicable to all of us. God shows up to each one of us and says, I want to use you. Mm -hmm. And we can argue and say, I'm the least, I'm the worst, there's no way. <laughs> and the Lord says, don't tell me that. I, I'm going to use you. My power is enough. Now, I don't think God's calling all of our friends to start a church no. in Chicago as he is you, but what might God be calling them to do, Ron? Do you have any ideas? Yeah, definitely. Uh, for some, it may be uh, to start a church. Definitely not all. Uh, for some, it may be uh, to get involved with a, a ministry of the church. Um, for some, it may be serving in, in your communities in, in some kind of way at the local food pantry or, or volunteering at the school or the hospital. Whatever it may be, God has a calling on our life. And I think, uh, which may be uh, just, well, definitely as important as the other one, if not more, for some, God is calling you back to himself through faith mm -hmm. in Jesus Christ. There may be some here today listening to us that truly haven't accepted Christ as their Lord and Savior. Mm -hmm. And for some, God is calling them back to himself through faith in Jesus Christ. So, Yeah, and maybe you kind of had a hopelessness. Amen. Maybe, maybe Amen. you showed Absolutely. up thinking, man, due to substance addiction or broken dysfunction, I'm a lost cause. Mm -hmm. Nobody's a lost cause. No, nobody's a lost cause. You know, nobody's the story of Ron Childers just proves that Christ redeems folks from the lowest position and can lift, lift them and pull them out of the, the muck and mire. Absolutely. So, 
You know, one other way he may call, uh, I would remind us of our evangelistic call. Remember our pearl strategy? Maybe the Lord's calling you to reach a neighbor mm. for, with the good news of Christ. Uh, there's so many ways God will call, but he'll call every one of us, and it'll freak us out. It will. It will. <laughs> and it'll cause us to question God's sanity. What about me, Lord? <laughs> the Lord will remind us that the power is not found in us, but in him. And may Ron and may I and may you have the courage to follow the call of God, Amen. no matter how or where he calls. Amen? Amen. 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 Hey, let's pray, shall we? I, I want to pray for you, Ron, and then I want to pray for all of uh, my friends at the Compass Church. Amen. Lord, I thank you so much for Ron, for you, his uh, story of grace. You you picked him at the lowest Thank point you. possible and you restored health and wholeness and forgiveness mm. and beauty to his life. And we give you praise. Lord, would you do that for all of my friends online here? I just, I thank you for them. I know you know their story and how the message of, of your grace in Gideon's life and in Ron's life, how it applies to their life. So lead them. Thank you. Guide them, restore them, and make their lives all you desire them to be. We pray this in Christ's name. In Jesus' name. Amen. 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 God bless everybody. Thank you so much for joining us today. If you want to know any more about what is happening through our Compass National Ministry, go to thecompass.net slash compassnational. You'll find a lot of information about things like our church plant with Ron Childers. Or you'll find things like our prison ministry at the Sheridan Correctional Center. Even internship opportunities. So much available for you there. And I also don't want to neglect our global ministries. Go again to thecompass.net slash compassglobal to find out how we are partnering with missionaries around the world to help people find and follow God. And speaking of find and follow God, we want to thank you for continuing to give to the mission and vision here at the Compass Church. If you'd like to partner with us as we partner with so many others across the country and around the world, just go to thecompass.net slash give. Looking forward to starting a brand new sermon series with you as we're together next time called The Table. So get ready for it next time at the Compass Church Podcast.